Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We worship you and we glorify your holy name. You are worthy to be prized tonight. And tonight, as we worship your holy name, we pray for a powerful and a mighty anointing of the Holy Ghost. An anointing that will change our lives. An anointing that will change this church. An anointing that will change destinies. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Bibles in the air tonight. This is God's Holy Word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. And this same Holy Ghost is here tonight to teach me, to lead me, to guide me in the great truth which I will never lose nor leave behind. I will flow in the power of the Holy Ghost. I will understand and not depart from the true word of God in Jesus' name. You may be seated around the church tonight. Hallelujah. 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 I want us to turn to the book of Titus. Titus chapter 1. Let's start with verse 1. Titus chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Father, God our Savior, verse 4, to type my own son after the common faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. In studying for this message, I really was looking at and praying for three words above all words that would explain who Jesus is. Now I know once I read the sermon of S.M. Lockeridge, Shadrach, Meshach, Lockeridge, his message, that's my king. And one of the lines toward the end of the message, he said that his king is indescribable. And at times 
Yeah, because there are so many things we can say about who Jesus is. And every single one of them would be correct. Yet I kept focusing on three that would really make the point. And the Lord led me to three simple words in verse 4. Lord Jesus Christ. Three words. Those three words appear together 106 times from the book of Acts to the book of Revelation. 106 times. When a group of words appear 106 times, that's a hint that it might be an important concept. Let's look at each word real fast. Lord. Jesus the Son is the Lord of our lives. Jesus. The meaning of the word Jesus is Savior. Jesus is our Savior. Christ which means anointed one. So the three words that the Spirit led me to that would describe Jesus are Lord Jesus Christ or Lord Savior anointed. When we look at Jesus, the Son of God, He is our Lord he is our Savior. He is our Christ, the Anointed One. Are we together tonight? Now let's build on this a little bit. The book of Acts, chapter 2. Let's call this the first word. The first word given on the day of Pentecost. We are familiar with the events of Acts chapter 2. At the beginning, the believers, they receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost. They begin to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Those in and around the area, they heard the disciples speak in tongues. They heard their own languages. They heard the Galilean believers speak the wonderful words of God. Those in the area, they asked, what does this mean? Peter then begins to preach the gospel message. It's the very last line in Acts chapter 2. I want us to pay attention to Acts chapter 2, actually, the last line of Peter's message. Verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So what do we see here? The first time 
the words Christ, Jesus, and Lord are in the same verse. So what is Peter saying? That God the Father, He has done what? Through the crucifixion and the resurrection. He tells us that one, Jesus is Lord. Two, that Jesus is Christ. And three, that Jesus, the definition of the word Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Lord, Anointed One, and Savior. What happens shortly thereafter? Those listening to the message on this day, they get to know Jesus first as Savior. This is the day of their salvation. Then they get to know Jesus as Lord. And then the anointing of the anointed one begins to operate in their lives. They experience Jesus the Savior, Jesus the Lord, and Jesus the Christ. Are we still here? Let's move ahead a little bit. Acts chapter 10. Many of us are familiar with this account as well. This is the day that Peter makes the trip to Caesarea. He is there for one purpose, to preach to the Gentiles. This is the first time the Gentiles are hearing the gospel. When Peter gets there, he asks Cornelius, Why am I here? Then Cornelius tells him the story about how the angel said, Go bring Simon Peter and let him preach to you. Now, what was Simon Peter's first line in the message? Let's look. Chapter 10. Let's start with verse 34. Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation he that fears him and works righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Let me focus on what is in the parentheses in my Bible. Lord of all. What is being established here by Peter? That Jesus is the Lord above Jews and Gentiles. All who believe. Regardless of ethnicity, nationality, or race. All who believe can call Jesus Lord. But not only that. All, regardless of nationality, ethnicity, and race. They can believe in Jesus as the Savior. And they can also believe in Jesus as the Anointed One. At the very beginning of this message, Peter establishes these three basic points. When the gospel is being presented, Jesus will be presented as Lord. Jesus will be presented as Savior. And Jesus will be presented as Christ 
or anointed one. Are we still here? This message was preached in Acts 2. This same thought now appears in Acts 10. We are building a point. Who is Jesus? First and foremost, Son of God. But then are three basic points. He is what? Lord, Savior, and Anointed One to the Jews and to the Gentiles. Book of Romans. Excuse me, let's stay in the book of Acts for a second. Chapter 15. Chapter 15. Peter, once again, is in the forefront here. In this chapter, we see the Council of Jerusalem. The church fathers, they have gathered together as a group. Why? To settle the issue about the Gentiles and the law. At first, those who were once Pharisees, they were of the mind that the Jewish law needed to be followed by the Gentile believers. Simon Peter is making the case at the beginning of his message, and he says the following. Let's start with verse 8. And God, which knows the heart, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Both groups. What? Save. Lord. And Christ. To the Jews, Jesus is Lord. To the Jews, Jesus is Savior. To the Jews, Jesus is the Anointed One. To the Gentiles, Jesus is Lord. To the Gentiles, Jesus is Savior. And to the Gentiles, Jesus is the Anointed One. Let's bring this to the present. The church today, regardless of where we are in this world, be it here in French camp, be it the other end of the planet, north, south, east, west, the message is the same. That Jesus, He is our Lord. That Jesus is our Savior. And He is the Anointed One of the Father. He is all of these, and He has always been all of these, and He always will be all of these. Are we still here? Amen. 
stay in the same chapter. This would be the letter that James would write regarding the decision of the Council of Jerusalem. That the Gentiles did not have to live their lives following the Old Testament law. Connecting this to what Paul says in Romans 8, the Gentiles lived their life following after the Spirit and they will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. As part of the ruling, we see verse 25, same chapter. It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, verse 25. Men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what do we see here? We see a Paul and Barnabas who had hazarded their lives for their Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. We see two men who had preached the saving message of Jesus throughout all the world. And we see also that they are representing the anointed one of God. All three of these were stressed by Paul and Barnabas. Now, as a letter of entry, if Paul and Barnabas goes, they now have the stamp of approval. And what was this stamp of approval? That these three men operate and minister about the Lord Jesus Christ, about Jesus the Lord, Jesus the Savior, and Jesus the Anointed One of the Father, who is a real minister of the Gospel. Those who proclaim that Jesus is the Son of God. Those who proclaim that Jesus is the Lord. Those who proclaim that Jesus is the Savior. And those who proclaim that Jesus is the Christ, the Anointed One of the Father. This is our calling card. Who will we give this recognition to as a church? We will give this recognition of the church to those who preach about our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus the Lord, Jesus the Savior, and Jesus the Christ, the Anointed One of the Father. This is who we are. Are we still here? One page over, chapter 16. At least for me, it's one page over. Now, in this chapter, we see the account of the Philippian jailer. The Philippian jailer is there keeping guard over these horrible criminals, Paul and Silas. They're crying. They cast a demon out of a woman. They were arrested. They were beaten. 
and then they were thrown in the innermost jail, which means, using today's terms, they're in maximum security. They can't get out, even if they tried in the natural. But these two, what did they begin to do? They began to sing unto the Lord. And they sang praises unto him. Then came the big earthquake. Talk about chain breakers. They must have been singing that song. Chain breakers. And the chains begin literally to fall off. Because the earthquake, the shaking had loosened them. Earlier in the book of Acts, we saw the anointing as a shaking. Here, we see the anointing as a shaking, breaking the chains off of Paul and Barnabas. Excuse me, Paul and Silas. Now what do we see? The jailer. He knows that in the natural, the prisoners would be long gone. So he was going to do the honorable thing. He was going to take his very sharp sword and end his life. He was going to fulfill his oath. That's when Paul cried out, Do yourself no harm. We're still here. We know the famous question asked by the jailer. What must I do to be saved? It is verse 31 that gives us the answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that Jesus is Lord. Believe that Jesus is the Savior. Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one of his Father. A faith in these things that comes when we believe in the Christ across the resurrection. When we look at who Jesus is. To this jailer, he is Lord. To this jailer, he is Savior. And to this jailer, he is the Anointed One. And what happened? He believes in all of these. And because he believes that Jesus is all of these, he now is saved. We need to believe in who Jesus is. The Son of the living God is the Savior. He is the Lord. And He is the Christ. Let's keep going. Chapter 20. A few pages over. Once again, Paul is ministering. He is preaching... Let's find the exact verse before we go any further. We see 
Acts chapter 20. Verse 21. This is Paul talking about the message he preached everywhere in Macedonia, in Greece, in Ephesus, and throughout the Asia province. Let's go in. This is the message he preached in Galatia and in Antioch and wherever he went testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance. That means to change direction and change course which means changing from worshiping idols to worshiping the Lord our God. But what else did he say? Faith in what? Lord. That Jesus is Lord. Jesus, Savior and Christ, Anointed One. Paul stressed the importance of a faith in the Lord Savior, anointed one. These are who Jesus is. And no matter where he went, notice what it says. Both Jews and Greeks. One message. Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, Savior, anointed one to all. The message of the church. It is this, that Jesus, the Son of the living God, He is Lord, He is Savior, and He is Christ. Are we still here? Follow with me to the very end of the book of Acts. Acts 28. Paul now is in Rome. For two years, he sits in Rome waiting for his court date in front of the emperor. The last words of the book of Acts are as follows. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. What was Paul doing? He taught about those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. He taught about Lord, Savior, and Anointed One. While in Rome, He is still teaching the same basic message that was preached by Peter at the other end of the book. Remember the first word in the church era, Simon Peter. What was his conclusion? Jesus, Lord Christ. 
What is Paul still doing here at the end of the book? He's doing what he wrote in Romans chapter 1, verse 3. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He teaches and he preaches about Jesus Christ our Lord. If you look at every epistle written by the Apostle Paul, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Let's add Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Let's add 1st and 2nd Timothy, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Let's throw in Titus and Philemon. In all of these books written by the Apostle Paul, he usually starts and ends all these books The same way, Lord Jesus Christ. Why would he do this in every single city? Every letter, Savior, Anointed One, Lord. Because the Spirit has led him to do this because this becomes extremely important. I could go over all 106 tonight. At a future point, not counting what we just saw in Acts, and not counting all of the opening and ending verses, we can spend a lot of time talking about this concept and developing it into a stronger, meatier point. But for tonight's purpose, the book of Philippians. We sing the song. We sing what? For he is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you look at chapter 3, verse 8, he counts everything lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord. In verse 20, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look For the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout this book, we see the same concept. Chapter 2, verse 10. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Of all things in heaven and in earth, and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Everyone who is a person living on the earth, not just believers, at some point they are going to confess that Jesus is the Lord, the Savior, and the Anointed One. It's going to happen. 
We have done it when we heard the gospel message. When the gospel went forth, it showed us that because of what Jesus did on the cross in the shed blood, because God raised Jesus from the dead, that Jesus is our Lord, our Savior, and our Christ, our anointed one. We bowed already. And the message of this church is for as many as possible to bow now to Jesus. Because today is the appointed time for us to recognize Jesus as Lord, Savior, and Anointed One. This is the time. This is the place for this to happen. Are we still here? Now let me ask the question. We're going to get deep on you here. What's the first words in the Bible? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What's the last verse in the Bible? A lot of people, maybe it's just easy. We know the first verse, Genesis 1.1, is what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the first word. What is the last word in the Bible? The final verses. Revelation 22, 21. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ is the last words in the Bible. Why is this important? In the flow of this message. Because it is important for us to realize that Jesus is not just a Lord in theory. But as John wrote, our Lord, personal. Tomorrow we will get more into Lord. Jesus is our personal Lord. But he's also our personal Savior. The one who saved us from the consequences of our sin. We'll probably get into this next Friday. And then we realize that Jesus is not just in theory a Christ. But he is our personal Christ. If you look at the flow of the New Testament, from the beginning of the church forward. Jesus, the Christ, the Lord. Peter, his Christ, his Lord, his Savior, is Jesus. We can say the same thing about Paul. We can say this about Cornelius. We can say this about the 3,000 that were saved on Pentecost and the 5,000 that were saved a few days later in the courtyard of Solomon's temple. We can say this 
about the Philippian jailer. We can say this about every believer in Rome and in Corinth and in Galatia and Ephesus. We can say this about the believers in Philippi and Colossae and Thessalonica. We can say this about Timothy and Philemon. We can say this about Titus. We can say this about the people that Peter wrote to and the people that John wrote to and the people that James wrote to. And we can even say this about the seven churches that received this letter in Revelation. Jesus the Christ, the Savior, the Lord, was the personal Lord of all of them. And today, every one of us can use the same language. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, if you have believed that Jesus is the Son of God, if you have believed that Jesus died on the cross and shed His blood, if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you also believe that Jesus is your Lord. Not a Lord in theory, but your Lord. You believe that Jesus is not a Savior in theory, but your personal Savior. And you believe, not in theory, but you believe for a fact that Jesus is your Christ the anointed one of the Father. Every one of us who believe this, we have already began to bow our knee to Jesus and say that Jesus Christ is Lord. But tonight, the issue goes beyond those who are believers. You see, tonight there are many who have not yet believed in the resurrection or the crucifixion of Jesus, the atoning blood of Jesus, the new birth, the new covenant. There are those who have not yet believed that God raised Jesus from the dead. Well, tonight is that moment, that time. This is the night that when you believe in the gospel message, when you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, He will no longer be a Lord in theory or a Lord for someone else. He will become your Lord. When you believe in the Christ, the cross, the resurrection, you will not just believe in theory that Jesus is a Savior or someone else's Savior. He will become your Savior. And when you believe... Jesus just won't be a Christ in theory. He will become your anointed one. Tonight, for those who believe in the gospel message, Jesus becomes your Lord. Jesus becomes your Savior. And Jesus becomes your Christ. Those who call Upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ 
will be saved. Tonight, you want to know who Jesus is. We just told you who he is. But we also told you how you can accept this Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the shed blood of Jesus. And when you believe in what Jesus did on the cross, you will believe that you are a new man of Christ, represented by the resurrection of Jesus. You see, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And part of that is now a faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He is your Lord and your Savior. Let's stand across the church tonight. In the name of Jesus.